Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Snap Out of It Radio Network. Hear all our great shows across the world. Join our community at snapoutofitradionetwork.com. So wake up, stand up, and snap out of it. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, I'm Mel and welcome to another Empowered Love radio show. And this radio show today is the once a month special that I do with guests. And this show is about boundaries and what happens when we take back our boundaries and when we take back our life. So please know, for people that are going to be listening into this on Tuesday, that this is a pre-recorded uh, show, so you won't actually be able to ring in. But what I am going to do on Tuesday is, while this show is running, I will have the chat room open, so you are more than welcome to come in uh, to the chat room as per normal. And I'll also be there. Obviously, I won't be able to answer any questions that you have live but I can certainly respond to you in the chat room. So that's all going to be good. So what this show is about, it's really, really important, this show. And this show is with two lovely ladies who have very generously wanted to be a part of this show and also to really help inspire other women, understanding what they went through, where they were and what they came to. So this show is about these ladies who were previously terrorized and distraught by perpetrators in their life. Both of these women have been in relationships with high-level narcissists. So this show is about discovering what happens when we take back our control, as these ladies have, and they have aligned themselves with boundary function and their own self-empowerment and deservedness. So learn how not only did this change their experience of abuse in life, it also changed their experiences in every part of their life. So this show is going to be a really great show to listen to if you find it difficult to stand up and if you know that you've been selling yourself out with fear to abuse. This show is going to grant you a lot of inspiration and hope. So really, in as far as this community, which is really assisting empowerment against abuse and standing up and getting our true life going, please, if you know anybody that may be suffering from abuse, and I know a lot of women are going to really relate to these ladies, and men may also too. And if you know, if if this isn't you, but if this is somebody else that you know, please send them the link to the show. Please forward it on to them. 
and please put it up on Facebook so that other women and people that are narcissistically abused can really start getting inspiration and hope. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce Leanne. And before I do, Leanne is from Australia and Leanne has gone through in previously a horrific experience which I think you're going to really... Um, a lot of people will relate to it and there are also people with narcissists that haven't had it at this sort of high level as well, but it's still narcissistic abuse, but this is a high level abuse situation. So without further ado, I'm going to now introduce Leanne from Australia. So Leanne, thank you so much for coming on the show. That's okay and hello to you, Melanie. Yeah, hi Leanne and can hear you great, so all good, all good. So Leanne, we're going to get, because this show is going to take a little while um, tonight and we're pre-recording, so we're going to move into it, we're going to go into it. You know Leanne, I, I think you know a few months ago you wouldn't have had the courage to do this, but you know now you're quite excited about it, you, you know where you're at now and you're wanting to help people and I just think that is fantastic. So we're going to lead into this so that people can get an understanding of where you came from. Leanne, can you... Can you, yeah, describe, you know, some of the details about your relationship with your ex-partner? What was the abuse? What was going on there? Okay, I'll start from the beginning. I knew my ex-partner in my uh, early teens, uh, late teens, early 20s, and then we parted ways for about 25 years and I met up with him at a friend's funeral uh, three years ago. And, of course, we hit it off and started chatting about things that have happened in those years and everything started terrific. And I was just a plain Jane woman that just lived a basic life, went to work and looked after my son. And he came into my life and just completely swept me off my feet. I felt like the princess. I got flowers, I got gifts and went out for dinner, everything was beautiful. And probably about mm. after two and a half months into the relationship. And just, you know, just to pop in there, you know, that is the story, isn't it? With, with, we find that with everybody in narcissistic abuse. We, we're swept off our feet, absolutely. So keep going. And it, it's the reason that I stayed in the relationship for so long. I just kept going back to those first few months that, and just hoped and prayed that, you know, I'd get through this and somehow I could help him and life would go on. But uh, during those two years, um, everything started to go downhill. I uh, He'd come home from work and be quite abusive some nights and I'd put it down to stress. And the further into the relationship, a lot of questions would come up about past partners um, who I'd spoken to during the date or did I still contact them and then he would start to go through my phone. I'd, I'd get abuse that um, really torturous abuse like if I ever had contact with these people from my past that horrible things would happen to them and I was accused of cheating and lying and sleeping with mates at a party and it just went on and on and I got blamed for being twisted and crazy. It was just horrendous. And uh, a few times I'd 
he lived at my place. I tried to get him to go. I had his hands around my throat with my feet off the ground. Um, out for dinner one night, he pushed me down the stairs at the local hotel. Um, anybody I talked to, he would get aggressive. The people I lived next door to landscaped their garden and he accused me of sleeping with them and destroyed it in seconds. Another man that I saw yes, a few sorry, years ago... Yes, sorry, what did he destroy then? Yes, sorry, going back to that. So what did he destroy? What did he do? Their garden. They just landscaped their garden and he flattened yeah. it in a minute. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, so he would, he would have violent outbursts against other people that, yeah, yeah were making contact even, with you. Yeah. yeah, and even a dead person I used to go out with a few years ago before Paul. Um, he died in a road accident not far from where I live and his memorial cross on the side of the road, he ripped it out and brought it home as a yeah. trophy to show me. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty twisted, yeah. Very twisted. And the more I sort of tried to break away, he, he would say and do things and it was reminders of I'm not going to watch violence on, violence on TV I'd rather give it and all of these things just scared me and scared I, I just yeah so, so you know really we're, we're not out. absolutely we're not just talking sociopathic here we're talking you know this guy and look you know what I went through was similar to you know very psychopathic slash psychopathic you know so this guy is dangerous you know and and capable of dangerous things you know and obviously like I was you would have been feeling very very afraid by that I was totally afraid I, I did work at the time uh, in a, a cafe which obviously is busy with people coming in and out, and he would sit out the front of where I worked. And if I spoke to anyone for too long, he would question me. Um, he'd sit there when I had a break so I couldn't talk to anybody. Uh, when I was driving to work, he would call me all the way while I was driving to work. He'd ring me as soon as I came out and, you know, talk to me until I got home. He controlled everything. And I knew I had to sort of break away, but I was so scared of what may come if I did. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. He'd come in and be, you know, alcohol along his breath and just abusive, pack his bags and leave, and I'd be relieved. And then a few days later, you know, he'd be back, I'm sorry, it's work, and very convincing that things were going to change. And, you know, he'd take you out with some of your friends and be such Mr. Wonderful in front of everybody. Nobody understood what I was going through and I couldn't talk to anybody about what was happening. And, that uh, is so like, typically narcissistic, isn't it? It's, it is. It's definitely it's that street angel home devil. So many people report the same thing. That's just a consistent, consistent part of narcissistic abuse, definitely. So, Leanne, when yeah. you did try to leave the relationship, how many goes did it take before you got out? Uh, oh, look, in the second year of the relationship, it probably left between 
eight and 12 times. And finally, I actually mentally, physically, emotionally broke down last August and overdosed. And he just disappeared. I, I rang in to say I wasn't well and the doctor was coming. And he abused me for interrupting his day at work and yes. said that I'd pushed him away. He wanted space. And for the next month, I was under a crisis assessment team. And he, yes. he never came back. He, though, would give my daughter money, make sure my bills were paid. And at the time, I thought he was actually caring for me, that yes. Yes. you know things Good were going point. to get better. But... I realise now that what he was doing was just to keep his own reputation intact with everybody that was yeah. looking in. Yeah. You know, so that in itself was a really hard pill to swallow. And then I found out he's been in a relationship with another woman since the Jew. Yeah. And um, I, I pulled myself together and he started turning up and... I did tell him to... Now, let's just, just stop right there, because that is just... This is really important. Because when you were broken and when you were down and out... In other words, when a narcissist breaks you and there's no more supply to get, they go. Because there's no more yeah. supply. But when you do get better and you start getting... And they start hearing about that, then what the narcissist does is comes back to try to get more supply... And supply is attention and energy. And supply is also the ability to project their tortured inner self onto you, affect you, hurt you, and go, look at how important I am. So th yeah. this is always consistent. Okay, so he turned up again. Then what happened? Um, I saw him probably on a Friday for about three weeks each Friday. And then I just decided I could not do it anymore. He... He would turn up and he'd take me for a drive or do something and then just bring me home. And if I tried to call him or anything, he'd ignore me. And it was yes. only on his yes. condition. So then I turned it around and I said, I'm not doing it anymore. Just go. Yes. And then he threatened to slit my throat and um, the abuse just... And was that because you said to him, no more, I don't want to see you anymore? Is that why yeah. that's when he threatened? Yes, yep, yep, yep. So he yep. still and wanted contact, but only on his terms. Yes, and as soon as I started to stand up for myself, he'd just break me back down. Yep, And, yep, and yep, this yep. went on until, until um, things like that. I'd changed my phone number, right? you know, block him out, I wouldn't talk to anybody he knew. Um, and it wasn't till March this year when I actually found you on the uh, internet and I started reading about narcissists. So I never understood it until then. And then again, the minute I read... No, I, I was just... I sat there and I just cried. The relief that I wasn't alone was probably the first. Thing, and then to try to um, understand and accept everything that he's done is what a narcissist does and I wasn't cared mm. for, yes. which is so hard to move from, you know, yes. to just the last couple of you years of your life have just been a lie. Yes, and, um, that's right. 
the torture and that control and the fear of for your life is, with what they do is just yeah, and this is at a huge level what you went through, it really was. So when, okay, so when you knew you had to get out and you, you, you wanted to get out and it had gone too far and, okay, so he really tried to rip, rip your life apart, didn't he, when you tried to pull away from him? So if you can just, yeah, describe what went on there. Um. Well, I'd actually, my son left for overseas on this particular Saturday and I was going to see a band at the local hotel with my neighbour and a few friends were going to be there and he was there. And I thought, well, that's okay, he's spoken to me because um, prior to that he had been stalking me um, and, I mean, hiding in the bushes across the road um, at the end of my daughter's street. He'd drive past seven times in an hour. Um, I even caught him walking past my house one night. I went out the front door to go to the neighbours and I looked and he just put his head down all dressed in black and kept walking. He never stopped. He, he didn't do anything. So, um, And that must have terrified you though, knowing he was doing that. He was... It, it was, and it makes you question yourself. I was thinking, was that really him? And then I thought, it is. Like, I know your walk. Like, why did you walk straight past? Why didn't you stop if you're concerned or whatever? It, it, it was just crazy. And a few nights after that, I saw his car up the street. So I stood there and I waited. And he came walking up and I asked him what he was doing and he said, I'm really worried about you, it's cold, you've probably not got your heater on, you haven't got food. And and I let him in my place thinking if he came inside he would be able to see that I'm all right. But by letting him in he absolutely named every single thing that I'd changed or moved. He went in my fridge, my cupboards, my bedroom... Um, and then he just got really angry that it was like that part of him that used to live here, I'd moved it away. Yes. And um, he, he always said yes, to so me, much if you cry, concern. I'll leave. Yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't concerned if I was okay. He was just concerned with what I'm actually doing and where I'm at in my life. But... I remember when he started getting really angry at me, I remember him saying, he always used to say, if you cry, I'll leave. So I automatically started crying so he would leave. And, yes. um, you know, I got him out of my place and I locked the door. And a, a, a few things happened after that period of time, but he told me he was in danger, his life was threatened and lots of long sort of stories to... Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I gave, I was actually concerned that something was going to happen with him, so I gave him my phone number stupidly once again. And um, anyway, this particular night, I went out to the hotel, and he was there. I didn't think much about it because I'd actually spoken to him, and he wasn't hassling me. So I thought, well, we could be in the same place, and. I'll have a good time and he can do what he's doing. And what unfolded after that was um, on the Monday, 
I got an abusive phone call from another woman saying that he'd beaten her severely and that I was to blame for it and that they threatened my life and I was going down and he was doing the same thing to me, what he did to her. And I just froze with fear yet again. And I... um, it was just horrific what I went through for a few weeks after that. Oh, crazy, crazy stuff. Now, I know, Leanne, because we had a lot of correspondence when you were going through what you were going through. And, you know, there was a time where you were terrified and you were, and it came after this and you were totally a prisoner in your house. So can you please yeah. share with us, you know, to what length your fear played out and what you did in that period to try to stay safe. Um, Yes, after I got the phone call that morning um, with the abuse and everything, I I immediately rung and changed my phone number. I did actually go to the police and I told them what had happened. And I pretty much got blown off with, well, you haven't been physically abused, so there's nothing we can do. Um, And I walked out of there just feeling completely empty and there was no help. I locked myself in my unit. I shut my curtains, my windows. I put blankets over curtains and I covered the bottom of the curtains so there was no light whatsoever coming into my place. It looked like nighttime. It was cold, it was wet, I kept the heater off so you didn't hear the gas meter running. If I put my TV on to watch the news, I could hardly even hear it. I didn't go outside of my unit. I stopped my kids from coming to visit. I didn't answer my phone. And if it was on for the kids to ring, it would be on silent and I just whispered down the phone. I just lived in complete fear for two weeks of what might be done if he comes back. And then I I sent my car away to be re-sprayed and my number plates changed because the people that threatened me knew what I drove. I didn't feel safe to even be seen in my car. I um, I got two video surveillance cameras and installed them that record 24-7. And it was two weeks and three days and he turned back up here and I had the cameras recording and I had a little cassette player. I pressed the record on that and he came to my door and said he was innocently driving past. He wanted to see if I was okay. And I just shook unbelievably. I could hardly even speak, but for the first time I actually stood up to him and just told him to get lost, there's nothing innocent about what you do or what you've done, leave me alone and he left and after that day I knew I had to get my life back, I could not, no matter how frightened I was, he could not do this to me anymore Yeah, you know, and we get that aha moment, definitely, definitely and, you know, and, and Leanne you know, during this too you were really starting to do the work on yourself. You know, I know that you were, uh, you know, 
Yeah, yeah. So just, you know, it describes what you were doing and, I mean, you'd realise at this stage, and I just want to really, really say this, because I've been through this too, as, as so many women have, when we're in fear, when we're hiding, and I went through death threats as well. I went through, you know, the college that I worked at that I owned. He was going to blow that up and everybody in it. And it, it was just a horrific situation. My uh, unit was being blo broken into. Uh, just, you know, I, I had um, a, a, a switch by my bed to notify police. It was just horrific. I went through the same sort of stuff. You know, but when we're in fear and when we're hiding and when we're walking around on broken glass and terrified, things don't get better. They don't get better. You know, and, and the, the situation that you were talking about with the police, I hear this all the time. Now, what I went through at the start with police when I was in the wrong vibration, they didn't listen, they, they would go around to his place, he would sweet talk them, and he'd be saying, look, she's a crazy, you know, she's just doing this because she's upset because I don't want to be her partner anymore. You know, this is why she makes out all this rubbish. And they were believing him. And while I was in that vibration, I was getting absolutely nowhere. And this is a really, really strong point that we're really, you know, making tonight because... You know, and Leanne, you know, we were, we were, you know, working on stuff and talking about stuff and, and anyway, the shift, the shift is what's important. So if you can just explain, you know, what was happening when you were getting stronger, what were you doing, what was, what was going on? Well, I actually, after he turned up and then I had him, it was the same sort of thing, like no matter what you did to try and change you are the crazy one. They've made you out to absolutely everybody. And even my next-door neighbour that's, you know, two feet on the other side of my wall, he tried to turn her against me. He isolated me from everybody. And yes. after I got the cameras and he turned up here and I had him recorded on video, I took that with me and I marched back to the police station and I demanded that they help me that I was no longer put up, going to put up with this and I had a, a lady officer that I spoke to and she asked me what his name was and I told her and she described him to me. She knew exactly who he was and this is just my local police station. And that fear came over me again that I said to her, I'm not walking out here, I need you to guide me to where I get the right help. And... Um, she helped me, she gave me the local um, domestic violence service number to call. Um, they did drive-bys of here for me every hour. And off I went. I just shifted my fear into, yeah. into survival mode. So what and had you been doing on an inner level or what was your... You know that point or, you know, that stuff, what had you been doing or what had you been understanding to get to that? With, um, like, what was I going through at that point? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that inner work on yourself, that inner understanding. Yes. What, what? In those, oh, sorry, in those two weeks that I locked myself away, I'd sit there and I'd only get to level three session of my program 
and I was shifting and shifting and just getting stronger and stronger. But there is that part that you just feared so much that, you know, I should just let let him come back and things will be all right. And then something just moved in me and said, there is no way anything is ever going to be right if you keep living this way. Yeah. And I just kept yeah. going over the three sessions and then I just walked out the door one day. I opened yeah. the place and I walked out. And I just Yeah, so what Leanne's referring to is the Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Program, which is the recovery program with the Corner Freedom Healing in it. You know, and this is what I recommend to people to get stronger on the inside because you cannot do something if you can't be it. You know, and this is where as human beings we get really, really confused because we think, well, if I could just do this or I can just do that. But you cannot do something that you can't be. And when you can be it on an inner level, then you can do it. So you've got to shift on the inside. You've got to shift emotionally, vibrationally, which is what the program does. So, yeah, so, you know, thank goodness that you started to get that shift. Sorry, yeah, you go. And and what I remembered, I remember reading and you saying to me, no contact is so important. And I thought, you're so right. I've tried just a little bit of contact so he leaves me alone or I feel safe. But as long as you're in contact with it, it controls you. And it was that moment sort of on from that day that I walked out and went to the police that, he wasn't going to have any control over me and there was going to be absolutely zero contact. And that and has you been knew it. That, since that day. Yeah, and you knew it. You knew it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just knew it. I, if I let him back, and I thought, what if I let him back in that door when he was innocently here? There was nothing innocent about that. That could have been the day that I don't like to even think about. And, yeah, you know, there was no way that was going to happen. Okay, so when you were following this track, and this is about powerful boundaries, this is really what this show is about, what did you do from that point on, which was like, no more, I mean it, and I'm going to create boundaries on this? So so what what happened? What happened next? I... I, I rang the um, EDVOS, the domestic violence um, phone line, and spoke to a lady there and arranged an appointment. Uh, I went the next day and I sat and I spoke with them and I just let it all out and they were terrific. They they don't judge you, they listen to you, they guide you, but they ultimately leave the choice to you if you want to take out an intervention order, ABO, they will help you. That was my decision to make and they didn't push me in any way. They just supported me through whatever was the best thing for me to do. And, um, mm. I and I've home. been strongly advising you to do that, you know, that, and yeah, that's what I, I advise everybody to do. Mean it, put an ADO because with the narcissist, if there's any hope of supply, they're going to keep trying. And there's nothing worse than when you're moving on, knowing an email can drop, the phone could ring, they could turn up at your door. That's not recovery. Recovery is no no more, no more abuse, and I mean it. 
And that's an ADO, that's an intervention order. Yeah, so anyway, keep uh, going. Uh, yeah, and that, that's the path I took because not only did he threaten my life, he set other people out to come after me. And, you know, I don't stand for anybody being hit by another person, let alone me getting the blame for him abusing and another female and breaking her bones and it was just horrific for her and I had to stand up as well that, you know, this just cannot happen. So I decided that the OVO was the way I was going to go and that's exactly what I did. I was petrified of what may become when he got served the first lot of papers. Um, the Ed Voss people that I went through, the day I went to court, they put me into a safe house for a few nights till he was served the papers, but um, the police couldn't find him. And whilst I was at the safe house, there were just so many women and children there. And I felt I was there on my own. I was taking up a spot for another woman and child, but I was strong enough within myself from actually just going to court and getting that first lot of papers. I, I was in control and he wasn't going to scare me into not coming home whilst I had to wait for my next court date. And I, I just basically moved forward. I didn't look backwards and I just kept telling myself, you know, you're, you're strong, you're heading in the right direction. Don't let fear over overtake what you know is right, the right thing to do. And that's basically and that is what so I true. That is so true. Yeah. I'm just going to butt in there because that is the point. You know, when you can be on an inner level your truth and align with it without the fear, then that's exactly what you're going to create. And I know in my situation because I had people around me and th this is when the truth finally broke out and he slipped up and I started getting better and people started realising. You know, there was a lot of people around me and people in my intimate circle who were like, you know, their belief was this man's going to kill you. you. This is never going to stop, yes. you know. And everybody was expecting me to be, you know, in the, in the newspapers. But I knew and I felt like I was hiding in a cupboard like, and if I walked out of it, I was going to be shot. That's how it felt, you know. And then when I got strong enough, it was like, well, you know what? I'm dying in this cupboard. I'm going to get out. I'm going to walk my truth. I am not going to live in fear. I know law of attraction. I know how it works. And I know whatever I am and my alignment and my beliefs and my feelings charges on any particular topic, it becomes my reality. And other things just are not a match for that. Then everything yeah. changed you know the agoraphobia I broke it off I got out into life he lived 10 minutes away and it was like with my situation of standing up and creating those ultimate boundaries that was it nothing happened end of the game you know mm. but if I'd have stayed where I was I, I you know oh my god I can't, I can't even imagine you know so, and, 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 that's, and, that's, and that's, oh, sorry. No, and that's been your experience too, hasn't it? So what's happened since then? Well, yeah, that has been my experience. But I knew the same thing. If I just stayed in this fear, this fear was just going to follow me for as long as I let it happen. 
So absolutely. I went to court and applied for the intervention order. I didn't get my interim order, which I was a bit taken back by because I wasn't sort of covered in any way. If he got served the papers, he could have still come near me until the day we went back to court. But I just kept myself strong. I just kept saying to myself, you've done this for a reason and, you know, you can go home you're going to be safe, you're going to get through this. But I had the same thing from my kids. They were just saying, please, Mum, don't do it. He will kill you. And I said, I yeah, promise exactly. you that... that's what I had too. I said, I promise you that if I don't do anything, something will happen. And Correct. everything is going to be all right. I'm standing up for my right to have my life back. And so you, my kids, can have your mum back and my grandson can have his nana back. And I just went, everything just shifted. I just turned into this powerful sort of woman that, you know, and even in the process of the first court day to the second hearing for the order to go through, knowing that day that he could have turned up and contested this, and I said, I prepared myself for, okay, if he's there, just stand up and keep doing what you're doing. But I also thought, don't turn up to court like looking haggard or like he's got to you, like be in control. And I did my hair, I put on nice clothes and I marched into the courts and I was ready, ready for wow. everything. And, yeah, and I thought, well, if you are there and you're going to contest this or you're going to do anything, you're going to see one different woman in front of you that's not taking one bit of this. And it's what I did, and he didn't turn up, and my order was granted, and I haven't seen him. He hasn't contacted my family, nobody. I just shut him down completely, and my life has just done a flip. It's beautiful. And this is this is the phenomena of vibration. I know so many women that have tried to put on ABOs that are in terror. Terror. They're contested, it falls over, it doesn't work. Every woman I know that gets inner power, that has done that inner shift, this is exactly the experience that happens, whether it's about custody, whether it's about settlement, whether it's about ADOs, either they don't turn up or the narcissist falls over. And all of a sudden she's attracted the right lawyer, she's got the right judge, she attracts all of the circumstances to back up her alignment with I'm in my power. It works, 100%. It, and, I, and I love this. So because you're a living example. Yeah. The, the first day I went to court, the judge was just horrible. He just looked at me and said, well, I don't see that you're in any danger. You can come back in two weeks and try for your order again. And I... Yep. I could have given in that day. I was so yep. upset and I felt like, man, I've just given this person a piece of paper with it, my intentions, but he can still come near me. But And then I stopped feeling that fear from him again. I said, well, you've taken this step. Take it to the next level. Like, don't be in fear just because he knows what you're doing. The good thing that he knows what you're doing and follow it through. Don't give up. And 
the second time I went back to court, the judge was wonderful. He stood there, he explained everything to me. Was there anything I wanted to add or take out? or? And it was just a whole different experience. And So Leanne, coincidence or vibration? Sorry? Coincidence or vibration? What do you think? Vibration. Vibration, yes. definitely. Yeah. So since this, since this, you know, because you've got your life back, how does it feel? Like, because you were locked in your house, you're a prisoner, you were clearly severely agoraphobic and terrified. How does it yeah. feel now to be out in life? And, like, what's the experience like now? It's just this this feeling, it's so hard to describe, that just every day is a great day instead of living in this fear. I, I, you know, I open the curtains, I see people walking past, I think, yeah, I can go for a walk too. Like, normal things in life that people do that are not affected by a narcissist like I go to the shop and I can sit at a cafe and have a cup of coffee and just savor the moment of the coffee or even little things like I go into the supermarket and I actually buy food and I come home and I cook it and I enjoy doing it it's the little things that you just didn't have when you're so stressed out with that part of the narcissist, normal things in life. So I actually, you know, I put on a CD or, you know, cook dinner or go for a walk or get in my car and drive to my daughter's. Just all those little things are great steps forward and I just step forward a little bit further each day. And there's no better sure. feeling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I have the same thing. Absolutely. So... The quantum leap. Leanne, if I was to say to you, are you grateful for this experience that you went through with the narcissist? Yes, I am. Most definitely. As much as it is traumatic, horrific, horrible, you go through this and you actually find yourself. And for the first time in my life, I have found myself. I... I had a stepfather that often abused me and even being through this process with the narcissist, I've worked out my stepfather and his narcissistic behaviour that added into my growing up and and now that I understand it, I've been able to sit and talk with him and sort it out and he knows exactly where I stand and and that I will not take his behaviour anymore. So... I am grateful that I went through it. And without it, I'd probably be in this, just where I was. And just to know that you've reinvented yourself and you know your boundaries and where your life's going and the people that you want to have in your life that are good for you, it all starts flowing and it'll continue to flow. And just to know that, you know, this will never happen again. And that's it, you know, when you get aligned and when you get your boundaries and when you learn to love, honour, respect yourself, you know it won't. It's not your reality. You you know, when we become a source to ourselves, we can, you know, observe, 
and what isn't a match for us, we leave it alone. And because we feel full and connected, and at one we life in ourselves and trusting and believing in ourselves, there's no way, there's no way that's our reality. And I know, right. you know, and I do, there's a massive difference between people that have survived narcissistic abuse and people who have thrived from narcissistic abuse. Massive difference. People that have survived narcissistic abuse, merely, I mean, it's great that they have. It is great. But they're missing a big chunk. And the people that are missing that big chunk, even if they've got through it and out of it, are terrified of it happening again because they're not aligned. They haven't thrived. If you've thrived and aligned, that's never, you know, you know. It's not even, it's not, it's just not your reality. It really isn't. So Leanne, is that how you feel now? Yeah, exactly. I know that I will never go back to that. It will never be allowed in my life. And I know if the narc was to turn up and do anything, my first call is the police. Like, I will just be in control that, you know, nobody will ever do that to me again and to understand that these people are out there they do these things and I think the knowledge of knowing the narcissist but as you say just to completely step away from it and to be in control again and for me to be on your radio program to tell my story I would just love to know that what I've been through has helped somebody else or helps them to get to where I'm at because there's no better feeling than to feel how I do now. And I never want oh, to lose that and feeling. That's so beautiful. And you won't. Yes, and thank you. you. And, oh, look, honey, you are so worth it. You are so worth it. And, you know, your story is really great. Um, you know, like mine is because... And, and, you know, look, I mean, you know, the physical abuse and the threats and all of that stuff, it, it is, look, I'm not discounting anything from really the emotional mental. I think on some levels that is really, that's just as hard or harder to heal. You know, I think anybody in a narcissistic abusive relationship feels like they're dead, dying, suicidal or completely demented, you know, and that, that there's nothing worse than that, you know. Right. But I think you're, there's nothing worse. And whether or not you're hooked because you don't want to give up the fairy tale, because you don't believe you can live by yourself, because you're so disconnected from your source of life force that, you know, it's, you've become like the, the hostage. Um, you've got Stockholm com complex going on. You know, you, you've got the, the hostage god yeah, terrorist thing going on. It, there's just so many reasons, regardless... Or, and like what we went through, was the terror that if you try and break away, you're going to get killed. Or people you, mm. you love are going to get killed. You know, there's, there's so many levels to it. But, you know, and I do know there is a lot of people out of love, um, well, not a lot, but there are some that are out of love, out of the hooks, out of the fairy tale, and just in literal terror of their lives as well. And there's so much stuff out there on the internet. Don't leave a narcissist. Don't leave a narcissist. You know what I say to that? What a load of crap. You know? Yes. Don't yes. buy that crap. Yeah. That infuriates me. 
you know, try and leave gradually. Try and do this. Try and discredit him. Forget it. Get in your power. Mean it. Set your boundaries and mean it and get vibrationally aligned. I've never known. I've helped hundreds of people with this. Hundreds. I've never known one that hasn't done that, that hasn't had our experience, the the experience Leanne and I've had. And then what that leads on to is a beautiful life, an empowered life where you have no fear ever about anything. You're free to create your life and you're free to create a beautiful love relationship. What more could you want? That's what we all want. That's why we're going through this experience, to find that stuff. So Leanne, just in our closing, what would you say to anyone out there that's in that fear and terror of standing up? Sorry. I would just what would you say to I just say just to think how long you have lived in fear and just believe in yourself that you can actually accept the past, accept what has happened to you and know that your life will get better the minute that you stand up and say no. Your life changes. And if you need an intervention order, please go and get one. Get with a support group that will help you work through it. To get there, they come with you to court, they support you, and you just start to grow. The minute that you make that choice, life changes. And the better you feel, the more you want to feel that feeling. And... You know, my AVO, not only did it shut the knock down, it empowered me to just move forward. And I stand tall for standing up for my right and just go for it. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Well, Leanne, thank you so much for sharing your story. I know a lot of people will relate to it, definitely. And, um, you know, you're definitely doing your bit to, you know, really help people get out of this devastating, terrible condition of narcissistic abuse to get into the true empowered gift of what it really is about. Because that's how we're going to eliminate it. That's how it's not going to be what it is on this planet anymore, is us taking this opportunity with both hands to heal what we need to heal. And the more we work together to shut narcissists down, the better place it's going to be. And yeah, you just got to go there, try it, feel good. Awesome. Thank you, darling. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And um, and you have a great night and we'll talk soon. I will. Thank you Thanks so much, you. Melanie. And I hope I've helped somebody else. I'm That's sure you good. have. I'm I really am sure you have. All right, darling, and you keep up the great work. Okay, bye-bye. Melanie, bye. Bye, sweetie. All righty, so... Bye. Okay, so our next guest that we're having on is... This is a very different story. This is a very different story, and this lady... Now, this is not so much about the abuse and the violence on that sort of level. This is very much about severe hooking. This is about the real manipulative twisting or turning 
um, narcissists that we can experience. So this is a different type of narcissist altogether. So anyway, let's just go and we'll see if I've picked up Carol now. Hello, Carol, is that you? Hello, Carol, can you hear me? Actually, she's not just... Oh, no, she's trying to dial through. Just hang on one sec. And she'll be through in a minute. Yeah, so Carol is also from Australia. And uh, Carol and I met only a very, very, very short time ago. You know what? I was actually working through with Leanne. That was over a process that uh, Leanne and I were in contact and Leanne was going through a lot of those stages. Now, Carol's been quite uh, a phenomenal lady and working with Carol, and I'll let her explain a lot of it to you and what was going on with that. But, yeah, Carol's experience is uh, really quite astounding. So she should be through any second. Waiting, waiting, waiting. This should be when I'm playing some background music, shouldn't it be? To say she's not quite there yet. You know, this can be a little bit difficult for uh, when people are ringing through as guests and they know they're one guest after another and they're trying to dial and there's quite a few numbers to dial to get through. So, so that's okay. But uh, yeah, I think you're going to really enjoy this interview with Carol. It's um, yeah, it's really good and she explains it very, very well. So, okay, here we go. Hello, Carol. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello, Mel. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for staying up so late to uh, come through oh. to the show tonight for our pre-record. And um, it's really lovely to have you on. So, Carol, we're going to get into it. I've just um, explained that you're from Australia. And also, too, we had Leanne just on, and Leanne had been through a really high-level sociopathic slash psychopathic narcissistic experience, which she's uh, got through and really, really stood up. And your experience is a little bit different, you know, not so much the, you know, I'm going to, you know, thinking that she's going to be killed and stuff like that, which is similar to what I went through, too. But um, so, Carol, we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. So if you could explain some details about your relationship with your ex-partner. Sure. Well, my ex-partner and I were together for nearly four years and in that time it was just an absolute roller coaster right from the word go. Um, he was doing things that totally violated everything I stood for from about the four-week mark of the relationship and yet four years later I was still there trying to get out of it and just not knowing how. Um, there was emotional abuse, there was, he also was playing around with other women at the same time and he would keep going back and back to his ex-girlfriend um, mm. and I just kept finding this out and kept going back and I didn't understand why I was doing it. Um, mm. It was just an absolute, what it was doing to my head was just unbelievable but I just could not get out, could not see a way out. And it is, it's that hook thing and you know what you're describing, a lot of, you know, I get emails every day from women where there are other women and they're being played off and there's, you know, he's going back and then he doesn't want to be and, and it was actually interesting, you know, just in my uh, New Life newsletter that went out, 
a woman had been going through a severe case of that and had written in questions which I answered to. But this can be really, really consistent. But the hooking part of it is crazy. It's, it's you know, and yeah, and I, you know, you would have felt that, that when you, I, I, I think, you feel... Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's because they present themselves as being everything you're looking for in, in a partner and they find their way in so quickly by pretty much working out very quickly what it is you're after or what you need, even when you don't know yourself. And they become yeah. that, that that person that you're, you've, you've looked all your life for and before you know it, you're, you're hooked totally. Yeah, I think you've just encapsulated it in about one or two sentences. That, that is it to a T. So when you first tried to leave the relationship, how long ago was that? And like how many times had you tried to break away? Well, the, the first time I tried, Mel, was probably about six or seven months into it. And I mean really tried because I actually got contacted by an ex-girlfriend of his that he was still seeing. And I was able to confirm that that actually was the case. Um, I tried very hard then, wasn't able to. Somehow he managed to make me believe that there was nothing going on between them and so forth. I mean, in between there was also a lot of other things going on, him not turning up when he was supposed to, him standing me up, him never ever being, promising the world but never ever delivering. But yet I kept yeah. hoping and hoping because I was so hooked in onto the whole thing. But yeah, for, for about six months into it, I tried probably since then... Oh, it's hard to guess. <laughs> you know, it felt like every other week I was trying to get out of get out of it and couldn't. Yeah, full on. So, you know, just before we met, you know, when the relationship was in its final stages, while it was still yep. going on, where were you at? I was at a point of just absolutely imploding. I couldn't stop crying and I didn't even know what I was crying about. Um, I had lost just about every friend I had on the planet or I thought I had. I had nobody to talk to and I just couldn't stop crying. And to the point where he would turn up and he would also be pretend to be saving me and helping me, but in the meanwhile mm. he was destroying me at the same time. And in the end I, I just I didn't know which side was up. <laughs> I just... I was uh, at the point I was either going to have to run, you know, leave the country or something as drastic as that, leave my daughter, leave everything, just to get away and try and get clear. I just didn't know what to do. And, you know, um, there are, it's really interesting, there's like two types of narcissists when you're really broken and you're, um, a lot of them, like with Leanne's before, was the discarding type you know, well, I'm going to discard you when you're broken because I can't stand that, you know. Mm. And then you'll have the ones that, it's it's like the glee. I, you know, I love seeing you broken. I know I'm doing this to you. You know, oh, I want to help you. So that can really, don't confuse that. Don't confuse that. You know, if all the narcissistic other, and other categories are there, I think it's very, very important that you don't confuse that but he does care well, about me, you know. Yeah, he, he would, he would, he would smile at me while he was wiping away my tears, and uh, I, I remember thinking through the misery and how I felt at that time, wondering why he was smiling. And I even said that to him, "Why are you smiling? Are you actually enjoying this? Are you enjoying seeing me like this?" 
And he'd say, oh, no, no, of course not. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I, I knew there was just something wrong. The words just didn't match what was underneath. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, yeah, so, it's going it to make not, you even more, more more confused. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And isn't that true? It's like, well, your head's trying to process one story, yeah. but your emotions in your body are going, hang on a bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Your, 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 your logical self, my logical self told me for nearly the whole four years, this is just ludicrous, this is bad, it's dangerous, it's it's awful. You know, even when he physically violated me, I, I still somehow managed to turn that into something that was acceptable. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. It is incredible. Yeah. And that's just what we did. That's what yeah. happens when you're hooked, when you're not in your power, yeah. when you're not aligned. You're mincemeat to this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so when and how did you decide that you had to do something? I think it was it was probably the day, it actually was the night before I rang you and I had been in tears for probably two or three weeks. I felt like I was going mad. Um, he had been around and, and again was trying to comfort me and so forth and then he said to me, you know, what are you doing tomorrow? He said, you know, we're going to make this work. It's going to be all right and I, I sort of had this hope thing happening and he asked me to ring him at a certain time and he was going to meet me and well I tried to ring him and he didn't answer the phone for hours and in the end I just gave up and went to bed and cried myself to sleep mm. and I got a message off him late that night and then the next morning he came around and he said oh what's the matter honey what's the matter you know you're crying again and I thought he's trying to send me nuts I actually decided yeah. he was trying to send me insane but he was a, a malevolent dangerous person and I had to yeah. do something, and I picked up the phone and I called you. And I was at, yeah. Yeah, as you know, I was at my wit's end at that point. I, I had no, I felt like I had no options anymore. Yeah, 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 no, I do. I remember that very, very, very clearly. Yeah, so how did you, how did you find out about narcissism? How did you get triggered off on that? I actually found out about it probably about, I think, 18 months ago, and I had read a book which I picked up called Women Who Love Too Much by Robin oh, Norwood. Oh, it's a great book. I love it. Great book. It's one of my all-time favourites on A Smack Between the Eyes, that one. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> big time. Yeah, yeah. And I, I picked that up and I read it from cover to cover and I thought, oh, wow, that isn't me. And <laughs> there, No, when I read it and I went, oh, geez. Yeah, it's a big moment. But, but, yeah, from there, I actually got onto a, it was a support group online, and I think it was through Daily Strengths, and it was a support (laughs) group based on that book called Women Who Love Too Much. And I got chatting to a couple of the ladies on that, and from there, that's where I picked up on narcissism and all that sort of thing, and then I started, of course, Googling like we do. Yes. And your your information came up and I had been receiving your newsletters for a little while before I realised that you were actually quite local to me, as you know. And yes. when I found out you were so close, I thought, oh, oh, that's it, that's it. I'm ringing Melanie. <laughs> She's probably the only person on the planet who's going to be able to help me with this. Because I'd, I'd, been, oh. to, I'd been to a psychologist, I'd been to therapists, I'd been to, oh, I'd read endless amounts of books on it. 
um, spoken to friends, went to my family doctor, and nobody really had a handle on it. So if you can't make people understand what you're going through, you, you haven't got a hope. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when you, yeah, and you did ring me, and I remember, yeah, you cried your eyes out on the phone, and it was like, no, 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 it's going to be okay. We, you know, you're where everybody is at with this. It's, it's, it's cool. It's cool. We're going to, you yeah. know, and I knew, and I knew that when you contacted me, like I do when everybody does contact me and they're at this breaking point, the breakdown's the breakthrough. You are right on the edge of getting this yeah. stuff shifted out and aligned up with true self. And I knew that. You know, I, you didn't know yeah. that at that stage, but I knew that. So yeah, well, that's it. I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. But at that point, I just did not have any options either. And, you know, I have to admit, Mel, I was frankly quite sceptical about the whole thing. I don't blame you. But, well, and, you know, but, before but, you know, I, just, I have experienced and become a part of quantum freedom healing... I would have been sceptical myself. I used to be sceptical <laughs> of kinesiology. I used to be sceptical of anything that wasn't head stuff. Totally. Yes, yes. So I, I don't blame yes. anybody for being sceptical. Yes. Well, yeah, that's how so, I felt. But I, but I honestly thought at, at this point in time, what have I got to lose here? This, this lady might be able to help me. She actually knows what narcissism is. At least she understands that. So she's coming from a point where she's already miles ahead of anybody else that I've, I've tried to get help from. So I had nothing to lose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happened, if you can, you know, describe to people, you know, what your experience was when you had those three corner freedom healing sessions, which is, is what we did. Yeah, yeah. Well, first session, walked in there, I, I cried a lot, as, you, as you'd remember. Um, yeah. At the end of the first session, I felt very tired, very drained, but I'd stopped crying. And to me, that, that was enormous because I actually didn't feel teary for the first time in a long, long time. And I remember you saying to me that, oh, you'll sleep really well tonight, Carol. And I thought, oh, God, I hope so, because that was the other thing. I hadn't, I hadn't slept well in probably a year and a half, even with sleeping tablets. So I went home and I went to bed early. I slept like a baby didn't wake up at all and the, if I can the just interject then I'll just explain to people the reasons for that what happens yeah. is when we have a whole lot of false belief systems that are actually hooking us into pain into realities that we don't want so true self is what we do want and that's alignment and false self is all the stuff we don't want what happens is we have a whole lot of false belief systems and our alignments out and what happens is when we let go of those false beliefs and we come back to an alignment, our body goes, oh, thank goodness, because we've actually yeah. been operating in survival out of alignment. And then when we come back into alignment, we're out of those survival programs and our body goes, oh, I'm in a safe heart, I can sleep, thank goodness. So that's, that's <laughs> why we have a really great sleep after having a session, yep. Mm, that, that was one of the best things of all, I think. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Yeah, and so then that, what that, happened from there? Yeah, well, that, that first week, I, I didn't feel teary at all, which was quite amazing. I felt very, very calm. Towards the end of the first week, I started feeling a little bit teary again, and I think it was the day before my next session. So I thought, oh, okay, I'm, I'm feeling a bit 
not so good at the minute and I came in and had my second session with you and one of the things yeah, you said to me... Yeah, and I'll just interject again there, Carol. That's, um, yep. And that's what happens so often. It's like our, our inner matrix is very intelligent, infinitely intelligent. And it's like, okay, before this next session, let's bring up what we need to shift next because it's like the matrix, the body... Our alignment, our soul, if you like, is saying, right, I'm on a healing journey. I'm on a fast-track healing journey. Okay, I'm now going to work at one with this, whatever needs to clear. Let's bring it up and let's move it out. So let's get it up before the next session. That, so that's very, very consistent what happens. Okay, keep going. Yeah, well, that, that's, that is actually what you told me was the reason I felt that way. And I thought, well, that does make sense because it enabled me to bring up what, whatever else I needed to work on as well, which I did. Um, after the second session, I went home and I was actually feeling very happy and I wasn't teary at all. I wasn't quite sure why, why I was so happy, but I felt really, really, I was just enjoying it. I was just enjoying feeling that way for the first time in I don't know how long. Um, the third session, which didn't feel like I had an awful lot to do there, but we worked on a couple of other things as well and there were, there were some other issues with childhood and so forth as well, which is one of the reasons I've always made excuses that I've ended up in this kind of relationship was I blamed it on my my, um, my upbringing because it was a pretty rough sort of an upbringing. Um, but after the third session, I, I just felt like that was no longer an issue either. And I could just be me, totally me, and just embrace everything that I've been in the past and everything that I am now, and I'm ready to be what I want to be in the future rather than relying on other people and how they feel and what they think and what they do to enable me to be able to have my reality. I don't have to depend on anyone anymore. And that's been the most liberating thing of all. And I haven't looked back. I mean, you know, this is all very, very recent for me too, as you know. You know, I think our last session was, what, two weeks ago? Yep. There it was. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm, just, I'm just kicking goals. And I don't even feel like I had to really do anything through the sessions just to even achieve this. I felt like I could just basically relax and, and just have it, have it done, you know, have myself sorted <laughs> without, without even really... It is a gentle really... process, yeah. Yeah, very gentle, you know. It's not like reading, you know, 20 books and trying to make sense of it. It was just a, just a very gentle, easy way to integrate myself if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of people, you know, they don't, unless you've had a quantum freedom healing, you don't really understand what it is or what takes place. And I, and I struggle to explain it to people. Like, it is a very, very set procedure. It's the same mm -hmm. procedure with every shift. And really, you know, the work that you... I mean, I do most of the work uh, because your body yeah. becomes my body and I'm doing... We're doing the shifting together, really. But what, the, you know, the, the part about it really is about identifying and unconditionally accepting the charge of the feeling that you want to shift. And then your yes. infinite yes. intelligence, by me asking questions, can go to it. You understand what it is. We visualize, we spiral it up and out of your matrix. We heal the inner yes. child level on it. We do a full integration and then we connect you to true self on that topic. So that old reality is no longer your reality, it just doesn't exist. And you are aligned with the reality that you want on that topic. And we all have true self. We all have this beautiful, incredible true self, everybody, that is at one with self and at one with life. 
And we just have all of these false belief systems and compromises in the way. That's our pain. That's our confusion. That's our doubt. That's the things that have taken us down the wrong track and got us involved in situations and things that have hurt us that are aligned with what we don't want instead of what we do want. You know, when you clear all of that stuff and you come back to true self on those topics, and it is like when you clear out the the garbage out of the garage and you drive the Ferrari in, it's like, Mm. I've always known this Ferrari. Hang on a minute. I know that. And I've just remembered (laughs) what I know. That's the feeling. It it is, isn't it, Carol? It's like, it just feels natural. it feels natural. It's like it's like remembering something that you've never. Well, in my case, something I'd never known, but I remembered it. I, and I know that doesn't make any sense at all. But well, it does when you understand past life reality, because in this lifetime you haven't known it, and you may have not yeah. have known it for the last three, five, ten, or twelve. But mm. at true self level and at original level, you know it because there's actually nothing else to know. Yeah. So what all yeah. we're doing, yeah, all we're doing is clearing the timeline of all of that residue of what you've picked up that is not the true knowing alignment, got rid of it and brought you back to true alignment. And then the body goes, that's it, of course, of course, you know. And it's so different at a knowing level because when we're at a trying to get it at a thinking level, the mind has to keep trying to hold it, rehash it, rationalize it, hang on a minute, am I affirming this? Have I done my 20 mantras today? Am I aligned? Am I aligned? It's a little bit like planting a seed and you keep digging it up to see if it's sprouting. That's what the mind's <laughs> trying to do. And that's yes, really and, and hard it, work. Uh, look, it, it can't be done on a logical level and it doesn't matter if you're trying to... Look, I'm the most logical person on the planet and I couldn't <laughs> get my way there. People around me, for the, for the life of them, couldn't understand why I couldn't get out of this relationship on a logical level. And I kept telling them, logically, I know everything you're saying. I know this myself. Do you imagine how stupid I must feel, the fact that I can't break free of this knowing what I know? And then they just look at me scratching their head thinking, well, if she knows it, why is she still in it? Exactly. It was Exactly. Yeah. And that's the human conditioning. We have not been taught... We have not been taught. We've all been taught, well, you know, if you think it, you're logical, you know it logically. If you know it logically, why are you doing it? There's a very, very simple answer to that. Because you cannot know anything in your head. Logically, you can think it, but you don't know it. You've got to know it on a cellular, body, vibrational level. You have to, there's a huge difference between thinking something and knowing it. When you know something, you don't have to think about it. You know it. And that's body yeah. level. That is not done through your brain. That's done through... Yeah. Um, it's, done, it's not done through the conscious mind. It's done through the unconscious, vibrational, cellular level in your cells. Then you just yeah, which know is, it. Yeah, which is probably where your, where your emotions are actually coming from because emotions aren't logical Correct. either. And and we try and we try and be logical about our emotions, but you don't have a hope unless unless you address what's underneath. Correct, correct. Mm. And that's oh, what on. Add, Sue Mel, I wanted to tell you that I've also I've, I actually bumped into him in the last month, and he's also oh, been right. calling me and texting me, and he came around to my house a couple of times. 
And in the past, yeah. he would have hooked me back in, whether it was with um, his begging or pleading or him offering to be what I needed him to be, all those things which always worked in the past would have worked. But this time, I walked away. I was able to walk away with my head held high. I was able to close the door on him, delete his texts, not answer his calls. It's just an absolute miracle. But, you know, he's, he's not my reality anymore. And those, those are words that just resonate in my head now whenever... You know, and still occasionally I get a thought of him creeping into my head and it just goes, oh, he, him and his behaviour is not my reality. And I can just let it go. Yeah. And then I go on to doing something else and I don't think about him. It's just, it's totally incredible. Yes. And that's the difference, <laughs> isn't it? It's no more about going back through the obsessing about, why did he do that? He did this, remember that night? Yeah. Oh my God, maybe if I was different in that... Maybe if that had happened, maybe, yeah. you know, that obsession in narcissistic abuse, it's like there's 30 people running around in your head trying to come up with a story that's going to give you some sort of peace. Well, something and that makes sense. Because the, the thing is, they're not, yeah, they're not logical. Narcissists are not logical. And it doesn't matter how you try and look at it, you cannot make sense of what they've done to you. But like you said, it's like having 30 people in your head running around trying to make sense of it. And now, I, I just, if I think of him at all, I just think, oh, he is what he is, but he's not my reality, so it doesn't matter anymore. And it's, it's wonderful. Exactly. It's peace. <laughs> and isn't it free? Because then you've got all this amazing energy. And, then, and this yeah. is what happens. You know, people that do the vibrational shift work, it was really interesting because a while ago, I used to do coaching because I was like, oh, people can't accept quantum freedom healing, blah, blah, blah. I'll run them both concurrently. And a lot of people used to come to me for coaching because obviously it was more acceptable. You know, here's this woman who's recovered high-level narcissistic abuse, got on with her life, she can help me. I want a coaching session with her. Now, what was really interesting is my coaching clients would be going for days and weeks and months if they didn't want to get onto Corner Freedom Healing, whereas I was having people like you, and Carol, you are a standout, but I've had lots of people that are standouts. You're not the only person that after three oh, I can sessions, that, yes. yeah, who's going, who's he? Right, let's get on with life, you know. Yes. Now, that's been three weeks from Suicidal Broken. Now, yes. I ended up dropping my coaching sessions because I was like, in all conscience, I cannot do logical level coaching with people anymore when I know in three sessions... They are completely aligned people, more incredible than what they have ever believed they could ever be, and they are kicking, they, they're just, they're, they're free, they're home, they're who they're meant to be. I, I can't coach when I know this happens. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and one of, the, one of the things that really, really makes me giggle when I, I think of his face and he'd be wondering what on earth has happened. Why aren't I being hooked back? Why aren't I going around there to see him? Why aren't I texting him? Why aren't I doing any of the things I used to do in the past? And it does, it makes me laugh. I can picture him sitting there wondering. He probably isn't. I mean, he's probably moved on to, you know, God knows how many more people. But it still yeah. fills me to think that he will never know why. 
Yeah, you know what? And and actually, that is a huge insult to narcissists. It actually really is people that just get on just like this. It is, but you know, and we know it's not about them. It's not. You know, that's just that's just is. You know, but and that's not yeah. the motivation. The motivation is because you deserve a great right. life and you deserve to be your true self. You know, yeah. but that is exactly. so true. Yeah. He, yeah, like that's just a little side giggle, really. It's isn't it? It is. It's funny. Yeah, but, you oh, know, he's been thinking hysterical. You know, he'd be thinking, who is this woman and what have you done with Carol? (laughs) (laughs) I know, it's amazing. So, you know, this is a question I ask everybody. It's it's the, the quantum leap question. So are you grateful for having had this narcissistic experience? I am now. I certainly wasn't while it was happening. I could imagine. Yes, no, that's right. No, look, I, I am now because it has brought about me having to find a change in what I was doing because he wasn't the first one I was with, you know. I was with another one before that and another one before that. And even the man I married was fairly narcissistic as well. So yeah. you know, I would have just gone on doing the same thing over and over again. And, and now I've actually got the opportunity to live my life the way I really want to live it in a way that is going to be beneficial to me and that, you know, is, is going to make me happy, which which I haven't been. So, yes, very, very grateful. Very. Not to the point where I'm and going to ring him up and thank him for it, but I'm very grateful. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we never need to. We never need to. But, you know, and I've said this a thousand times, but if I ever think about my ex, I just think about this intense gratitude. And you're yeah. not my reality. Always follows close behind. Because <laughs> yes, it just isn't. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, and that is Very the nature. Much. It's just not my reality. No, you know? that's and right. Not my reality. The whole world shifted into true self-function and narcissistic abuse was no longer your reality. Do you think there'd be any narcissists on the planet? No, they wouldn't. No, no, no. No, and, and the amazing thing too is to once you realise that, that, beg your pardon? Yeah, there'd be nothing to hook into. There'd be nothing to, you know, because a narcissist can only feed when you've got insecurities, when you've got gaps in boundaries, when you've got things you've needed to heal within yourself. That's when you're attached to a narcissist. When all that gets cleaned yeah. up and you become a true self-function, a narcissist can't operate in your energy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I honestly don't think I had any boundaries at all. So you know, I was just a sitting duck. Yeah, I was the same, and a lot of women are the mm. same because we were never taught them, and then our mums never had boundaries. And and no, also, too, right. it was very much about well, you need a man. You know, you meant to be with a man. That's what came from our mums and our mothers, mothers. And yep. that means well, you put up with a whole heap of crap to be with a man. Mm. Yeah, that's that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> It is. <laughs> it is. Yep. It is. So, Carol, you had some sort of, you had some freaky things happen, like really, really quickly after these shifts, like in your life in general. Can you just explain what they were? Yeah, well, a couple of things I had happened to, too, Mel. I had had a couple of people who I thought had totally lost patience with me with the whole relationship thing. I think I'd just driven so many people away. Had people come back into my life just, just very spontaneously, and. After a brief conversation about what had what had gone down, I realised these people really do care and do love me, and there's a lot of love there for me. 
and I couldn't see it when I, when I was stuck in that relationship for the four years. It just I felt like he was my everything, and all, my whole yeah. life was geared towards pleasing him. And yeah. I just I, I felt like there was nothing outside of that, and I let everything go. And I realised, yeah, the people are still there. My friends are there. They're waiting yeah. for me, and they still love me. That was a big thing. Another thing, I had a project on the go, which I'd been subdividing my house, and, and it had taken way, way longer than it should have because I couldn't focus on it because of the emotional mess I was in. And anyway, after the first, between the first and the second healing session, I, I got stuck in with the painting and I finished off what I had to finish off. And then I had a call from my sister-in-law and one of her workmates wanted to rent the place out off me at top dollar and I met her and she was lovely. She came around and she's, she's moving in on Tuesday this week. So it just all fell into place, you know. So something that had been dragging along for so long is happening. I've got more money coming in now. My work's picked up and it's just everything's just cruising, which before everything was just such a struggle. So... You know, I don't know if I can put it all down to the healing, but geez, I put it down to me because I'm just operating out of a different spot now. That's so right. It's That's wonderful. exactly right. And the healing is only a process to get you to you. And when we yeah. are aligned and when we're true self, we're at one, when you're at one with self, you're at one with life. And you actually yeah. understand, well, vibrationally, even if you're not logically understanding it, vibrationally, you are connected to all of life supports me because that's true self-function. So that's it. Things actually just start clicking in. They just drop into place. Life becomes, in inverted commas, effortless. Of course, we still have to do word, thought, action and actually be, you know, be in the being and the doing of what we want to create. But all of a sudden, all of these incredible synchronicities, all of these connections, alignments, things start coming in. They start just, life starts working with you instead of against you. you against know, it's, you, it's yeah. But, yeah, yeah. But on a logical level before, I was always trying to work out what to do and how to do and I'd, I'd analyse things and pros and cons of this and, and I just wasn't moving forward with anything. And now it's it's just basically happening, and it's happening the way it needs to be happening, and it's it's probably because I'm open to it. You're flowing now, you know, and that yeah. true self function, as opposed to a logical in your head function, which is a disconnected yeah. function. In that, in our head function, we actually feel separated from life, and we feel like we have to pit ourselves against life. We have to strategize. We have to analyze. We have to damage control, we have to do, 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 but when we're actually in true self-function, even if we don't logically explain it or even feel it that way, we feel connected to the flow. So we're connected. So we're in the being doing instead of the doing without being, which never works. Yes. Yeah, I couldn't put that better myself, Mel, honestly. That's exactly what I was trying to say without being able to say it. Oh, you were doing a good job. <laughs> oh, thank you. You were doing a great job. It's always a bit of a challenge to explain the intangible because we've all yeah. been brought up to to think if you can't see it, smell it, touch it, feel it, it's not real. 
That's very, very true. And and that's that's the thing with the healing sessions too, because it's it's not it's not something that you're analysing in your head to reach a conclusion where you're going to feel better. It, it's not in your head. It's actually beneath all that. And that's that's you can't see it, but it's happening. And it's it, the result is just incredible. And you can also feel it too. You know when it's oh, when definitely. it's going yeah, on. Yeah. You can definitely feel it, but you're not thinking it, and that's the difference. All I've, I've spent years and years thinking and thinking and thinking. You know, why is he doing this? Why, 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 why? And yeah. now it's just feeling, and feeling. This person's not my reality anymore, and it's. I don't have to think it. I just feel it. I know it straight away. When I when I bumped into him a couple of weeks ago, I just looked at him and I went, "That's not my reality," and I just kept walking. It was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Isn't it beautiful when it gets to that? It's just, it, it is funny because you see it. Oh, my God. I used to be, and I know, and I'm going to say it, I used to be groveling on my knees. I used to be crawling out to you. I used to be ringing you 40 times. I used to be insanely crying my eyes out. I used to be driving around to your house to see if your car was there. And yes, now yes. I just go, oh, you're not my reality. Yeah, yeah. And and then the big the big biggest mystery of all is you know why why was he ever <laughs> that's that's the really amazing part yeah and when oh, you shift yeah. you actually can't imagine it you can't feel it no you go, it's no. like you're observing no. another person who you were and you go look I I get it I get why I needed to heal and that was great but I can't imagine being that person anymore it's like it's like a memory of a memory isn't it. Yes, yeah, it's a memory that you know you know it happened, but you're sure as hell are never going to go back to it. Yeah, and it's like you just can't connect to it anymore. It just doesn't... No, that's right. With any of the, 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 the voices in my head and how I used to run around in circles like a little rat on a wheel trying to work out why you did this and all, I just think, what a waste of time. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's another difference between surviving and thriving because people that have survived, when they look back into the pain of what happened, they're still getting charges off it. But when you thrive, like you could you could describe anything that happened, what happened, and it's basically like you're talking about having a cup of tea and a piece of toast. It's yes, like, yeah, it's information only without any charge on it. It's just, you know, there's no pain there anymore. No, that's exactly right, and it's oh, it feels good. And, you know, it all comes down to getting to those three words. And we'll say it together on the count of three, but N-M-R words. One, two, three. Not. Not my reality. My reality. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Carol, for being on. You've been great. You've been a really good sport staying up this late. And um, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Mel, for all your help. and, And I wish everyone the best out there as well. Yeah. All right, darling. Well, you have a great night. Okay, so that's it for the show. That's it for the show. And I'll be back next week. And um, look, really do. Go to my website. If you've been struggling like these women have, and there's thousands of people out there in the world that are, pass it on to other people that you know really, really need help. Please understand the difference between trying to do this through your head or doing it at the true, deeper level. Because that's where your results are going to be. So anyway, bye-bye and lots of love.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.